to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, welcome to another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. Our guest today is Andrew Wilson, the CEO of Senatas. Senatas is an Australian public company. It's on the Australian Stock Exchange as SEN. It specialises in cyber security. The company has been listed since 1984. Its solutions have been trusted to protect much of the world's most sensitive information for more than 20 years. Working with private and public sector organisations in more than 45 countries, Senatas's Encryption technology is used to protect everything from government and defense secrets to intellectual property, financial transactions, and citizen privacy. I'm joined by the CEO, Andrew Wilson. Andrew, welcome back to the Unicorns. Great, Justin. Thanks so much for having me on your uh, podcast. It's great to be talking to the audience again, and I look forward to uh, answering Justin's questions about what Sanitas and Vatira are up to. Well, let's get into it. We last spoke a couple of years. Perhaps it's a good opportunity to update us all on Sanitas uh, and Vatiro and and the business. How have things been? Yeah, look, things have things have been okay. It's um, certainly there's a lot of attention uh, on cybersecurity threats globally, which is providing some tailwinds. You know, pipeline of uh, sales opportunities is, is growing for both Senatas and Batira, so that's that's pleasing to see. Um, and we think we have solutions that can help organisations out there effectively mitigate against cyber threats that are ever growing. With so many data breaches like we've had in recent times, Optus, Latitude, Medibank, we find out that hackers have access to the names and personal details of millions of us, millions of Australians. So how does Senatas and Vatero help mitigate the risk of cyber breaches? Yeah, look, it's interesting. Um, to date, uh, none of the companies have disclosed how the hackers breached their systems or whether they had, um, you know, the data encrypted or not. But encryption is a critical technique for preventing unauthorised access to sensitive information, and that's what Sanitas specialises in, you know, protecting information such as personal information, health records, financial details. We certainly think encrypting the data would have helped mitigate damages of the data breaches as it would have made it harder for the hackers to use or sell the stolen data because the data is scrambled. So, you know, I think organisations should encrypt data when it's at rest, when it's in, in use and when it's in transit. Our solutions are built to the highest global security standards and sold to, you know, as you mentioned, organisations in over 45 countries. And these organisations are very mature in relation to their cybersecurity posture and choose our product because it's best of breed. Uh, that's, that's how Senatas can assist organisations mitigate breach damages. In relation to Vitero, that's a prevention, a malware prevention uh, technology, a next generation technique for preventing malware and ransomware attacks and their solutions have proven highly effective. So if we look at it, Andrew, shouldn't the identity, medical and financial data, all of that, shouldn't that have been encrypted? It should have been. I don't know whether it was or not. Um, I, I don't think any of that uh, detail has been disclosed. Um, but 
every organisation should be encrypting that kind of personally identifiable information and any other sensitive information such as intellectual property or whatever information is critical to the business um, businesses uh, uh, business model. So do you think companies are not properly deploying encryption on sensitive data technology to protect their customers and other stakeholders' information? Uh, look, anecdotally, um, you know, we've certainly seen um, situations where organisations aren't properly encrypting their information when it's at rest and in use and in transit. Um, you know, so I think there's still a lot to be done, particularly in the commercial world, um, to encrypt information. And certainly it's, um, you know, uh, an essential and critical control and protection that organisations should be, should be implementing. So I think there's more work to do, sure. Is there a case to be made, Andrew, as to why some of these big companies are still holding on to all of this data? Because at some point, the data, whether it's five years old, 10 years old, 20 years old, becomes irrelevant. So why, why are they keeping it all? Oh, look, um, data management um, processes and sort of determining what information should be kept by an organisation and for how long and when it should be deleted, I think is uh, it's not a, easy a whole to topic, answer. In, a whole topic yes. in and of itself, right? And I think, you know, regulation in this area does exist internationally. To be honest, I'm not sure whether it exists in Australia or not. But you're right. Um, why should an organisation retain data if that data doesn't relate to its customers that are currently using its services? You know, it's possible these organisations use, some organisations use that information for marketing purposes. So do you think companies are focusing their cybersecurity on prevention security at the expense of protection security in the event that prevention fails? Look, I think the sort of traditional approach is the detection approach. Um, And it's a bit late. Once you've once uh, a cybersecurity breach has occurred, to just detect it, I think organisations need to be focused on on prevention, right? And and uh, encryption is like a pre- prevention um, uh, solution because if a breach does occur, the information um, under most circumstances will be of little use to um, to a cyber criminal or a cyber hacker that happens to get in. Whilst Vatero actively prevents a cyber attack by preventing malware ransomware entering an organisation. So I think you'd sort of turn, flip it on its head. It's prevention is what I think is required rather than detection. So there have been some calls, Andrew, from industry groups for stronger cyber security measures for SMEs as part of the federal budget. Do you think we need more? I know they've, they've already done a lot. Do you think we need more federal government intervention to raise standards here in Australia? Yeah, look, I attended a um, uh, invitation-only roundtable uh, meeting in Parliament House with the with Claire O'Neill, the minister responsible for the Department of Home Affairs, and has the you know the, um, the important mm-hmm. job within yes. her department for cyber security, and 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 we did discuss that, and it was was acknowledged by the minister. Um, so I think federal government intervention could be beneficial in raising cybersecurity standards, at least setting a baseline, right, um, and providing guidance to small, medium-sized enterprises who really don't know what they should be doing or how to do it. 
Um, but it's at the end of the day up to each individual business to take responsibility for their own security measures. But establishing a baseline level of security um, by government and then flowing that down through maybe ASIC or and ultimately into um, risk management practices of small businesses, I think can help raise the bar. And that's good for a secure digital landscape and critical. We've seen a lot change since our last chat, particularly if we look overseas and what's happening in Ukraine. Has there been any private sector spending that you've noticed um, up or down as a result of what's unfolding in Ukraine? Look, I think that's difficult, um, a difficult question to sort of specifically answer. Um, you know, whether that increased in focus, focus on cybersecurity is a direct result of the Ukraine war or is it um, a response to the awful um, Medibank and Optus and, and later two financial hacks, but or simply a reflection of the worsening um, cybersecurity threat landscape. I think there's no doubt that, um, you know, at, at the boardroom, cybersecurity risks are, um, you know, a topic of great concern and focus where more budgets, I think, um, will be allocated to an organisation's um, risk management of those kinds of threats. So um, there's, there's no doubt the, um, uh, the more, is, more is being spent and will be spent on cybersecurity solutions, hopefully such as Sanitas's and Batero solutions. You know, it's an interesting point you make because if you're a director of a, well, even an, an ASX company, you have um, an obligation as a director of the company to ensure that your business is compliant in any number of areas and um, data management, cyber would fall under that. And essentially, for want of a better word, the directors have their heads on the chopping block if um, if there is a material breach. Do you, do you think the, um, the directors of Australia, the, the corporate directors know that they really have to have their house in order when it comes to cybersecurity? Mate, I think they... Um I think they know now after the Medibank and Optus mm. and like, mm. financial breaches. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So um, uh, there is uh, significant focus and, and I think some industry groups are calling for, you know, federal government assistance insofar as, you know, what, what should organisations be doing? And, um, you know, you have the ASX corporate governance principles um, and um, ASX uh, listed companies must report their compliance with those corporate governance principles and one of those principles is effective risk management which would yes. encompass you know encompass you know occupational health and safety and obviously also you know cyber cyber risks so boardrooms are, are looking at their exposure there and their risk management practices um, uh, with the microscope at the moment certainly that's what we're hearing from our customers and anecdotally um, to organisations I speak to as well. But, you know, moving on from that, in response to, I guess, the, the growing cyber threat landscape, the government has announced, or in December it announced, Australia's new cybersecurity strategy in 2030. You know, this strategy is focusing on four areas, so it's, it's, it's a great strategy. Um, the areas are, you know, a secure economy and thriving cyber ecosystem, secure and resilient critical infrastructure and government sector, a sovereign and assured capability to counter cyber threats, 
Australia as a trusted and influential global cyber leader. So I think, you know, the government's taking this threat extremely seriously. It's, it's trying to figure out how it can work with Australian industry to, to not only improve cyber preparedness, but also to build cyber capability in this country. So it's great to see the government get on the front foot to address this, this you know, ever growing um, and concerning cyber threat landscape. When you look at what's happening, Andrew, in Australia, is it still the case where there's potentially more interest in cutting edge security technology overseas, what's being developed overseas, than there is, say, domestically? Or is that changing? Look, I think the, I think the government is, is looking to build up cyber capabilities in this country mm. and to work with Australian industry to deliver that. Um, as far as technologies from overseas, I mean, we're not an island. Many great technologies developed overseas, but, um, you know, sort of government support for, for um, cyber and technology companies in Australia under previous governments has been pretty poor. I think that we can expect that to change. Um, there is as well in major government um, tender processes a requirement for large multinationals who respond to government tenders to identify the Australian industry content um, in their bids. And the Australian industry content is an important part um, of the bid selection process, which um, has resulted in some of the large primes dealing with government reaching out to, to Sanitas to see how they can include our capability in their bid response. So that's, that's a great initiative as well. Um, I mentioned in my intro that um, Senatas is actively being used, I think it's in 45 countries. That's, uh, that's an enormous global footprint for, you know, a little, a little Aussie battler on the ASX. How did, you, how did you pull that off? 45 countries, Andrew. Oh, no, it's incredible. Um, you know, I guess it started a long time ago. I've been with the company since 2000. We signed a contract with a company called SafeNet in 2002 and in 2003 via that relationship we secured um, uh, the US Department of Defense as a major customer and from there um, and distributing through SafeNet which is now Talos because it was acquired um, they have taken our product um, globally and helped us sell into 45 different countries mm. with our support in actual fact it's probably closer to you know 55 countries these days, and and ninety percent of our revenue is generated um, by our export from international markets. Is that right? That's right, exactly. What's your biggest market? Our biggest market would probably be the US at the moment, um, but growing markets it would be right through the Middle East, um, some parts of Europe, and of course, you know, there's still lots of opportunities in the United States. I do see more signs of growth in the Australian market, which is good to see. Yes. Um, Seven, you know, I don't know what, to what extent um, those those signs of growth here are the government's attention on Australian industry. I think that has a significant part to play or organisations are waking up to the, the need to take um, uh, security seriously and looking into Indigenous Australian capability um, to help them on their journey. Uh, yeah, so that probably answers that that question there, Justin. What, um, 
What happens to a company if they don't properly secure their data and they are subject to a hack, a breach? What what can actually happen? What are the penalties? Well, I think the government has announced a revision to the penalty regime, um, increasing the penalties significantly. And I can't recall off the top of my head exactly what they are now, but they're significantly higher than they were. I do know in, um, in, in the EU that the GDPR regulation, which I think is like the, the gold standard for, um, um, for privacy, and organisations in the EU can be fined 4% of their total turnover. In, in, you know, that's obviously a big number for a large multinational where they fail to take adequate steps to prevent a breach, right? So yes. It, it, it's yep. a bit like OHS. You know, it's you must provide a safe workplace. Um, yes. So, that, so, and if you fail to provide a safe workplace, then directors can be personally liable. Now we're yes. not quite there yet with um, you know, cyber risks, but we're headed that way. And an organisation in GDPR must provide um, a set of controls and risk management measures to ensure that. Um, the company is protected from breaches. Of course, you can't, you know, com- completely prevent um, a breach. Of course. The, yeah, the key, I think, is that when a breach does occur, to ensure that there are other risk mitigation processes in place to limit the damage of a, of a, um, of a breach, such as encryption, right, um, and then also deploying prevention technologies such as Vertero to, in- to limit the risk of a breach actually occurring, and making sure you've got backups of your um, sensitive information, that you have adequate, um, you know, access access controls um, to employees working on information they only need to see and work on if that's part of their job role. And of course, you know, we've seen a, a recent leak in relation to some of the war plans that um, uh, America had access to by a, um, you know, a, a national guard that had access to. Um, a lot of highly classified information, and one would ask that should you know, should he have had access to that to do his job, right? Mm. Did he have access to too much information um, that you know he didn't really need access to to do his job? So there's a whole lot of things there. You're also Andrew, a director at Vitero. Can you tell us more about what Vitero is doing in the cybersecurity space? Yeah, so Vitero, we invested in Vitero in 2019. Um, it's, it was an Israeli company at the time. We've migrated that across to the United States. So it's a, it's a US operating company with its um, chairman and CEO and sales and technical teams based in the US uh, these days. So what Vitero does, it protects organisations from file-based threats using a pretty unique technology called positive selection. So this technique ensures that only the safe elements of each file are allowed to enter an organisation. So it leaves behind any malicious or unknown elements. Uh, And it it doesn't rely on detecting what is malicious. It's just identifying the good bits of a document, which are known, migrating that into a clean document and passing that through. I think the problem that many technologies or solutions face today is they are reliant on identifying what is bad, right? Mm. And you don't know what is bad or what is not bad unless you've seen it before. 
So if you haven't seen a malicious threat before, you can't identify that it's Yeah, bad. that's right. How would you know it? You, How would you know you it? Would right? have, yeah. And we call those unknown threats. So Vatero can protect against unknown and unknown threats, including ransomware, malware, you see, zero-day Sounding exports. like Donald Rumsfeld here. <laughs> that's right. The known unknowns. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Oh, <laughs> uh, very true. Gosh, I should be uh, presenting to the UN or something. Um, so, yeah. It, um, it can help organisations prevent malware um, entering an organisation via sort of email attachments, via employees downloading documents from the web, by employees sharing documents through Dropbox or Box or you know, our own product, Shopdrop, um, or um, by sort of using data lakes. And data lakes are like big... Um, you know, storage repositories of information that an organisation accesses and uploads information into and out of that can help prevent malware circulating through a data lake. Mm. Um, so there are many, many um, uh, you know, sort of areas where a Tiro solution can help an organisation effectively prevent malware and ransomware. Late last year, Andrew, the Biden administration passed legislation that forces US government agencies to get quote unquote quantum ready. Can you maybe uh, talk us through what that means and what Senatas does to prepare organizations for quantum computing and it, its effects on encryption? Yeah, so let me talk about the threat of quantum computers and the risks that um, you know the globe everybody faces as a result of it. I mean, there are great benefits of the quantum computer, but there are some risks. So quantum computers have the potential to break many of the current cryptographic algorithms that protect data and communications on the internet. Those algorithms protect your and my financial transactions when we transact with the bank. So we need new quantum-resistant algorithms to prevent these kinds of quantum attacks um, so the Biden administration announced you know, two presidential directives to advance quantum technologies. It addresses the risks posed by quantum computers to global cybersecurity, particularly in this case, America's. And one of these directives is a national security memorandum that outlines the administration's plan to transition America's vulnerable IT systems to quantum, quantum-resistant cryptography standards. So, what does that mean? Yes, that basically means there are going to be a new set of algorithms that we use in our daily life to protect against, to protect our information, to keep it confidential. Okay. Um, once a quantum computer reaches a certain, certain, um, certain sort of power, uh, for want of a better word, um, there are four um, quantum-resistant algorithms at the moment that um, NIST are looking at. By 2024, they will decide on one of those algorithms that um, government organisations will have to use to encrypt information. Senatas today implements all of those quantum-resistant algorithms in all of our products today. So by the time NIST selects one of those algorithms and standardises it, all of our customers will be safe from a quantum computing attack. Final, um, Final question. Uh, Andrew, let's let's run through the future and what it looks like for both Senatas 
and Vitero. What What's on the horizon for both businesses over the next, say, 12, 24 months, five years? Yeah, look, the uh, for Cenotas, we're still suffering the hangover from, I call it the sort of COVID hangover or long COVID, um, which disrupted um, the supply chain of electronic components. You know, that is starting to ease up now and we've built up lots of inventory and we have growing pipelines. So my focus now is to is to help our business partners such as Talus and, um, you know, direct customers in, in Australia to convert some of those sales opportunities and get back to, to growing Cenotas revenue. Uh, I certainly see opportunities from our global partnership with, with Talus to to sell um, into other divisions of Talus, um, which participate in large government infrastructure projects around the world, some involving encryption. So that's pretty exciting. I see, I see demand for our quantum-ready products starting to grow. Um, we've got a number of proof of concepts uh, with large organisations around the world wanting to trial our quantum capabilities because, you know, these Biden administration directives have gathered a lot of, gained a lot of attention and focus in the commercial, commercial sector. So we see organisations starting to want to get ready for that and they need solutions today and we have a solution today for them. Um, in relation to Batero, well, Batero's pipeline's growing really well. It's um, uh, particularly in North America, uh, which is which is pleasing to see. I see that probably is one of the most uh, exciting growth aspects of our business. And and together with Ravi, the CEO of um, of Vitero, you know, we just want to we, we just want to grow revenue and, and market share and continue to innovate cutting technology that they um, they have developed. Very well said, Andrew Wilson, CEO of Sanitas. As always, thank you very much for your time and all the very best in the years ahead. Thank you. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, everybody, for listening.